Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm Vicar Ryan Ferguson, and before I begin my sermon this morning, my first sermon, before I launch into, I just wanted to take a moment and opportunity to say thank you to the entire congregation of St. Lawrence for such a warm and friendly greeting that I received when I got here about a month ago. You've shown this, this guy from California some of the traditions and culture that make up Frankenmuth, this unique place that I'll be in for this next year. And I'm, I'm excited to be here as your vicar, as to be number 18. <laughs> now there's a, there's a rumor going around that I have to get like a tattoo of 18 somewhere, so by the time I leave, I have to figure out where I'm gonna, but I don't, but yeah, that's just a rumor. But I, I'm excited to be here as the vicar, to be uh, learning and to be serving in this, in this congregation. And I look forward to, as this year unfolds, uh, a time of, of growth, a time of, of growing as a vicar and as a leader to, uh, to lead in, to preach and teach. I look forward to getting to know more about, about Frankenmuth, the history of it and just the uniqueness of it, and also to getting to know more about the congregation of St. Lawrence. So to begin this morning, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. What would your life be like if you could not hear? Think about that for a moment. Think of all the things that you would miss, all the things that we kind of take, uh, take for granted. Sometimes that just kind of becomes noise to us in our, in our lives. Well, for one, you wouldn't be able to hear each other when you're talking to each other. You wouldn't be able to hear music like the, the songs we've been singing. And you wouldn't be able to hear the word of God proclaimed. All right, so now that I have you thinking that you have a hard time hearing, let's add on to that that you, you have a hard, hard time speaking. You have what we call a speech impediment. There again, it would be hard for you to communicate with each other, and it would be hard for you to sing the praises of God. Imagine what your life would be like. Or maybe you don't have to imagine what your life would be like because that's what your life is like right now. But that's what's going on with the man that's brought before Jesus in our passage this morning. But before we get to our passage of, of Mark chapter, or chapter 7, verses 31 to 37, I want to start by giving you a little bit of context of what's going on in Mark's gospel. Because you see, our section of, of Mark's gospel, it comes from the middle section. So a lot's happened before this. So we can, so we can better understand what's going on and where this is going on Let's take a look at some of the context that surrounds our passage. So when you read from Mark chapter seven, the first thing you will notice is that Jesus is in Gentile land. That's non-Jewish land. You, what happened at the beginning of, of chapter seven is Jesus is questioned. He's questioned by the teachers and the Pharisees about the commandments, about clean and unclean, and about tradition. And from there he leaves and he goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon. That's where present-day, modern-day Lebanon sits, so if you want to picture it on a map in your head. And while he's there, this non-Jewish woman, this Syrophoenician woman, she comes up to Jesus and she asks for his help because her daughter has a demon. Now this woman and, and Jesus have this dialogue in the gospel and this woman has great faith. And Jesus says, it be, and the demon leaves the woman's daughter. Then we come to our section that we're gonna look at this morning. This section where this man is brought before Jesus, who is deaf and unable to speak. So we read from Mark chapter seven that this man is not only born, been born deaf, but he's also unable to speak. 
And he's brought before Jesus by this man's friends. And this man's friends, they bring him to Jesus and they beg Jesus. They plead with Jesus to heal this man. Just to, to lay his hands on this man. Now, this man is not considered unclean by Jewish law. But he still, because of his lack of ability to communicate others, he was still, he was an outcast of the society. As I said, he wasn't, he wasn't unclean by Jewish laws, but according to Jewish laws in that time, this, uh, this man had about as much standing as, as a child did because he couldn't communicate with others. He couldn't effectively uh, make, tr- uh, make legal contracts with other people. We read in the gospel that he, he's brought before Jesus. And unlike in some of the other gospel accounts of Jesus' miracles, Jesus doesn't do this in front of a great crowd or a big following. He kind of, he takes the man off to the side and he kind of heals him privately. Jesus uses ways that seem backwards and unorthodox to our way of thinking to heal this man. Let me give you an example. Jesus takes and he puts his fingers in the man's ears to restore his hearing. Usually, we, when we put our fingers in our ears or around our ears, it's to, to cover up our ears because there's a sound that we want to block out, kind of like this. Or maybe it's a sound that we should hear, but instead we choose not to hear it, like this. All right, there we go. How many of you here as parents or grandparents have had this happen to you? Or even as, as people, you're talking to your child or your grandchild or to another person and they just decide to just tune you out, to plug their ears. I imagine it's happened to all of us at least once. So the next thing that Jesus does is he takes... The next thing Jesus does is he takes... And he spits and he touches the man's tongue. And the man's tongue is is released. When we think of touching the tongue, as I said, it's the opposite. It's usually to hold our tongue or maybe to be speechless, kind of like this. We're in a moment, we're in a situation and we're so caught up in it. We're searching for words. We we don't know what to say. So we're kind of like, we're we're struggling for what to say. Or maybe it's, the to- maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're, you're in that moment, that situation, and you, and you got it all figured out, and you, you've thought this through, and you're like, yeah, this is, this is what I'm gonna say. And, and you start to say it, and, and your brain goes faster than your tongue, and your tongue gets it all mixed up, and it just becomes a big jumbled up mess. I can, re- I can relate to what it's, uh, what it's like to be either speechless or tongue-tied. Naturally, I don't like to talk in front of people. It's not something I normally like to do, but it's something that, that I'm working on. I tell people it's, it's a work in progress. It's funny, when I, when I told my, uh, my friends that I wanted to be a pastor, they tease me about a lot of stuff. <laughs> the one thing that they, they still tease me about is, Ryan, you know as a pastor, you have to stand in front of people and you have to talk. Yeah, I kind of knew that going, going into this. No shocker to me. I'm like, yeah. And they'd respond, well, you still want to be a pastor? 
yeah, I'm more than ever, like, I'm not gonna let that stop me. I'm, I'm gonna work on it. It's gonna be a work in progress. Again, we see that the, the man, Jesus uses unconventional and backwards way of, uh, to our way of thinking to heal this man. Now, this section of Mark's gospel, it closes with Jesus telling this man not to say anything to anyone what he's done for him. Jesus doesn't want this, this miracle that he's performed to be misunderstood by others. So the more Jesus tells this man, hey, don't say anything about what I've done for you, the more the man goes and, and he proclaims and tells others what Jesus has done for him. I imagine as, as this man's friends are watching this miracle happen, they're, they're thinking and recalling the words from the prophet Isaiah, the words that were re, uh, read to us just a moment ago, where Isaiah writes that the ears of the deaf are unstopped and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Can you blame the man for, not, for wanting to tell others what God had done for him? He was born both deaf and unable to speak. Let's think again for a moment what that must have been like, going from not being able to hear anything and not being able to speak to hearing everything and being able to speak. It all changed in an instant. Jesus, he uses what Jesus has restored to him to proclaim and tell others what Jesus has done for him. Now, as I get to this point in my sermon, I think I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Vicar, that, that, that's great that that man was healed. But what about those who are currently suffering? Or maybe, maybe you're thinking, why does God choose to heal some and not others? I don't have an answer to that question. One of my responsibilities, not only as a vicar, but also as a field worker for the seminary, is I go and I visit people in the hospital. And these people are suffering in different ways. And there's a, there's a common topic that comes up in discussion when I, when I visit with these people. The conversation usually goes something like this. It's either vicar or seminarian. I feel like God is punishing me for my sins. It can feel like that at times in our lives, that God is punishing us for our sins. Instead of opening up ears, he's closed off the ears to the cry of his people. Have you ever felt that way? That God was punishing you for your sins? That he had, that he had indeed closed off his ears to your cries for help? St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he tells us clearly what our punishment should be for sin. St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. I could stop there and, and that would be the end of the passage. But St. Paul continues on. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we deserve death for our sins but we've been given this, this free gift up from Jesus. It's a gift we couldn't earn and we don't deserve it. It's free and it's been given to us by Jesus. Because Jesus, he would go on from here and he would continue to preach and teach and cast out demons and do healings as he made his way to Jerusalem. And there at Jerusalem, he would perform his greatest miracle. But before he would perform that miracle, he would die on the cross like a common criminal outside of the city. 
But three days later, he would perform his greatest miracle when he would rise from the dead. In our passage this morning, Jesus opened the man's ears and loosened his tongue. But through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus has opened more than that for us. He's opened up heaven and eternal life. And he also gives us a promise, a promise of of a new creation, free of from all the things that we currently suffer from in this present world. Now, this new creation is not here yet. It's it's yet to come. And so we, we still have to live in this present world, this present world that when we look out at is broken. It's full of sin and death. There are times when we live in this present world that we can feel like, God has closed off his ears to us, especially when we're going through some kind of suffering. Especially when life comes at us from so many different directions and bombards us in different ways. We can feel like we're alone in that suffering. But Christ has told us, and he tells us in his word, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So when you, when you face the hurts of this world, when life throws things at you from all directions, you can find the comfort and hope knowing that Jesus is with you. He's not only with you, but he has promised to walk with you through that suffering. As I said before, we, we still have to live in, the, in this present world that is broken, but we can find comfort and hope knowing that in the midst of our suffering, that Christ is with us and he walks with us through that suffering. We can also find joy and happiness and promise in the new creation. We can trust in this promise because in Revelation, John, who witnesses this new creation, he writes in chapter 21, verse five. John writes, and he who was seated on the throne said to me, behold, I am making all things new again. As I close this, this morning, I would like to share some words with you from a song based off of Revelation chapter 21, verses four and five. The song is by a Christian artist, Jeremy Camp. The song is called, There Will Be a Day. In the song, he describes what the new creation will be like, will be like, like John has described it to us in Revelation chapter 21. The song lyrics go, there will be a day with no more tears, no more pain, no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. But until that day, we'll hold on to you always. Amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all our understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.